Welcome to our casting of Get a Sign. I'm Chief Master Sergeant Dan Connor, your command senior enlisted leader, Oregon. This podcast is an effort to provide our Oregon National Guard service members, past and present, along with all citizens of the state, a sign from me and the Adjutant General's office before you step into the metaphoric batter's box. I plan to discuss with you pressing issues that are upon our enlisted service, as well as sharing interviews with some of our great citizen soldiers and airmen to gain insight and share best practices. So turn up your listening device and join me for what I hope is an educational and valuable few minutes. You serve in the profession of arms, a member of a special team of volunteers that have sworn to defend and protect. We're expected to uphold, embody, and exhibit enduring institutional core values. See, because our respective service core values are such a big part of who we are as service members, we owe it to ourselves and to those we serve to bring an understanding of these core values further, much more and beyond an amateur's perspective to a professional's perspective. See, an amateur's perspective peaks at being able to recite the core values. While this works great as a quick reminder, it truly falls short of guiding us more precisely in how to act every day. See, a professional's perspective, it involves an understanding of the core values with its defining virtues and demonstrating them through decisions and actions, living them on and off duty. The core values of our organization are those values that form the foundation on which we perform work and conduct ourselves. See, we have an entire universe of values, but some of them are so primary, so important to us that throughout the changes in society and any DOD policies, they're still the core values we abide by. In an ever-changing world, core values are constant. Core values are, are not descriptions of the work that we do or strategies we employ to accomplish our mission. Instead, they're they values that underline our work, how we interact with each other, and how, and how we guide the strategies we employ. They're truly practices we use every day in everything we do. With a richer perspective of core values, we can, we can take deliberate steps to practice a better application in our day-to-day actions. By accepting the challenge of living the core values on and off duty, we develop professionally and we contribute to a culture of trust. So with that, I'm going to begin discussion of just one of the core values in an effort to encourage all of you to dive deeper into our institutional core values to gain that that professional's perspective. Today, I'm going to review respect as our core value. As one of the Army's core values, it's expected that we treat people as they should be treated. See, in the Soldier's Code, we pledge to, quote, treat others with dignity and respect while expecting others to do the same, end quote. Respect is what allows us to appreciate the best in other people. Respect is trusting that other people have done their jobs to fulfill their duty. And self-respect is a vital ingredient which results from knowing you have put forth your best effort. The Air Force implies respect within its core values also. Integrity is defined courage and conviction. Members must be, well, they must be willing to control their impulses and exercise courage honesty, and accountability in order to do what's right even when no one's looking. 
every airman is expected to have the discipline to follow rules, exhibit self-control, and and possess respect for the beliefs, authority, and worth of others. Today, I truly have the pleasure of introducing and interviewing two of our great National Guard leaders, Major Carmen Bartling and Chief Master Sergeant Bobby Kennedy. Major Bartling is a logistician who works for the Directorate of Logistics and is the Human Resources Equal Opportunity Officer for the Land Component Command in Salem. Chief Kennedy is a well-respected leader within the Oregon Air National Guard. She's stationed at Portland's Air National Guard Base and is serving as the Mission Support Group Superintendent. Welcome, Major. Welcome, Chief. And thank you for spending some time with me today. Thank you for having me today. Thank you. First, I'll start with Chief Kennedy. Chief, I know you have a story that highlights your experience with an important ingredient of respect, which is self-respect. Can you share that story with us, please? Yes. Um, This is a pretty challenging story for me as um, it caused me to reflect a lot on my career as I've moved through the Air Force. Uh, just for everybody's kind of a little background knowledge, um, I've been in the Air Force for 27 years. Um, and when I joined the military, I chose to be a jet engine mechanic. And I'm proud to say that I worked on the F-110 motor for the F-16 and the TF-34 motor for the A-10 Warthog. So my first duty station was Allison Air Force Base, Alaska. Not exactly where I wanted to be stationed. Um, and so... It was a little bit nerve-wracking to to end up in a nice cold place. And as I was uh, flying over Alaska, I realized that it looked like I was landing on the moon because uh, it was so snowy. And so it made me a little bit nervous about starting my life um, in the military. But I'm I'm pretty determined. So yeah. So I was nervous walking into the shop for the first time, but I was really excited. Um, and my first day in the engine shop went like this. I met my crew uh, where I would work, and they showed me around the shop, and my new trainer. And when my new trainer and I had a moment alone, he proceeded to tell me uh, that he didn't think that women should be jet engine mechanics. Now, that was quite the introduction for me um, and to where I'd be working for the next three years. And as an 18-year-old, I think I was pretty just Lord, um, at that response. And it, it took me a little bit back, but what it did was yeah, I wanted to prove them wrong, right? I, I wanted to be the best mechanic and I was a great mechanic. I really was. Um, but also I was going to assimilate at any cost. Um, and what I didn't understand is what that cost would truly be. So the nineties were a great time when the military was trying to change its policy and behaviors regarding how women were treated and sexual harassment. For many, this was a little bit of a hard pill to swallow because this this type of behavior is ingrained in culture, right? And and it was definitely ingrained in our culture. Uh, comments were made to me asking um, if I was going to be one of those girls, um, somebody who was going to hold them accountable, right, for the the words that they were speaking. And I was adamant that I wasn't going to be that girl. I I was going to work hard and join in the uh, inappropriate innuendos and and swap my sexuality as a young female in the military. Uh, I was going to be one of the boys and I was going to earn respect by working hard, but also by joining in verbal play. There were only uh, two other women in my shop at the time and both were trying to survive uh, in, in this community that didn't want us there. Uh, they, however, were a problem for me because they uh, didn't take my path of trying to fit in. 
I was extremely threatened uh, by them and by this. Um, and uh, so when the boys uh, made comments about those women, I egged on the process. I egged them on. Right. I was like, absolutely. That's, they should not want you to change. Um, because I was going to be the one who made it right. Um, I would not let their not willingness to fit in, uh, ruin my place. So one day I was, um, I was in my work space and I was kneeling on the ground and I had my boss who was a staff sergeant. And mind you, I was, a uh, E3 at the time. Uh, he come up to me and he pulled his, uh, my head into his lap, into his groin. And my entire team thought it was hilarious. Um, and I was absolutely humiliated. Um, it was, uh, it was a very shameful experience for me. Um, but what it did for me was it gave me a huge wake up call. And what I realized is that respect would not be earned by me talking dirty and flaunting my sexuality. Um, it, it won't be earned, you know, by me trying to fit in all the wrong ways. You know, hard work would have been the way to do that, right? And it's not that I didn't work hard, um, but that would have a, it would have happened naturally. Having boundaries would probably have helped as well, but uh, I just, I just didn't, I did, I didn't know any other way at the time. And I think what was the hardest realization for me was that I had been harmful to other women on my team and outside my shop, actually. And I, and I ran them out instead of supporting them. I mean, I was the problem. And in that, I feel like I sold a bit of my soul to, to fit in, right? I, I harmed others' careers to save mine. And, and what it boiled down to was I didn't respect myself. And looking back, you know, like I'm not even mad at the 18-year-old me because I was just trying to survive in a maintain in a maintainer world that didn't want me there. Um, and truthfully, I'm really sad to say that I didn't I didn't feel like there was another way. Um, and so I've made it a long way in my career, right? So I'm I'm now a chief master sergeant in the Air Force, and and I've worked really hard uh, to get here. And as I grew and as I you know moved up in rank. Uh, I knew that I had to make a difference differently, right? Um, so what I try to do now is mentor young airmen, young women, on how to be good at their job, right? To, that, that that's important. Um, and that you will get the respect when you respect yourself, and you'll be respected by your peers and your leaders when you do that. I try to give them the tools in, in order to have those challenging conversations that were never easy to, for me because um, I really want them to know that they are enough, that, that their service and, um, and their hard work is enough, and you, and you don't have to sell your soul like I did. So that's, um, that's kind of my, my story. Yeah. Hey, Chief, thanks so much. It, it actually takes a ton of bravery to share stories like that. I do have a feeling that that's not a terribly uncommon story uh, with maybe females in our, our, um, our service. But uh, I think it's important that they hear the story come from someone like yourself who is very successful and a very well-respected well senior enlisted leader. And I, I truly appreciate you sharing that story with us. Thank you. Thank you for allowing me to. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Major Barling, I understand that 
you can help tie in the value of respect to the basic principles of the Equal Opportunity Program, as well as sharing some strategy to integrate respect in our day-to-day activity. Can you share, please? Yes, uh, and good morning, and I want to thank you for inviting me to the conversation, and I want to thank Chief Kennedy for her personal story of rising above and demanding respect. Um, uh, She is truly now at a point where she can mentor those young women uh, in our ranks uh, and make a difference. And um, so just as you mentioned, I uh, administer the Equal Opportunity Program for the Land Component Command. And um, just like in our organization, we have respect as one of our values. Um, One of the core principles of the Equal Opportunity Program is respect. Another one is to treat others with fairness and dignity. And Chief Connor, you alluded earlier as to the definition of respect, and I want to add a little bit more to that. So uh, what is respect? Well, it It is that feeling that we have for others and the regard that we hold uh, for their abilities, their achievements, uh, as well as their differences in their rights. Um, And I want to talk a little bit about values in general and then bring it back to respect, um, uh, just like you did. Um, In her book, book, Dare to Lead, uh, the sociologist Renee Brown says that values are like our our guiding star, um, what we judge to be important in our lives. And just as you mentioned, our organization has a list of values um, that we should be living by. And we use acronyms to remember those values because those lists are a bit long at times, right? Mm-hmm. But we want to remember some of those values because they help us uh, through the challenges in our daily lives. Um, but the reality is that a long list of values that we can't remember can't really guide our behavior. Um, so what do we do? Uh, well, all of our organizational values are good values. Um My strategy is best to pick two or three values, such as courage, trustworthiness, and respect, for example, um, and then we can operationalize them. And how do we do that? Well, we align those two or three core values that we will remember into our thoughts, our intentions, our words, and our behaviors. So uh, if I align the value or respect to my words, I would use it often as part of my conversations. So, for example, I could say, Chief Connor and First Son Holden, I respect your effort to use um, this technology to connect us. Or I could say something like, I respect that my friend Billy chooses not to drink alcohol while I do have an occasional drink. So what I'm saying is that I hold in regard your achievement. I hold in regard your rights um, to live your life as you see fit. Um, So using the word, that value in your conversations helps to cement it and to operationalize it. Um, And as we know, respect is one of our foundational values, uh, is what holds teams together. Um, Sometimes we refer to it as unit cohesion. 
Um, and respect is really that glue that holds us. Um, when we don't respect one another, we see unraveling around the team's edges. Um, a few years back, I served with a person who lacked respect for everyone. And because of that, it masked itself as treating everybody equal. Um, but it created a really toxic environment. Um, and once that was exposed and that person was removed, um, the unit started to thrive again. Uh, of course, it doesn't have to be that drastic. Uh, we can all choose to change and we all can and have to earn the respect of others. Uh, and then once we earned it, uh, we need to guard against losing that respect. Hmm. Um, but the best way to earn respect is to give respect. Um, so in the context of equal opportunity and diversity, if we say and we hear it often that we don't see any differences uh, with each other or that we don't see that we're colorblind, for example, those comments, although they're well intended, we show a lack of respect for our diversity and our differences. And then on the flip side, when we accept others' values and beliefs, we demonstrate respect for others and we show um, a sort of cultural adaptation because we're able to show our tolerance for multiple right ways of seeing things and multiple right ways of doing things. Mm -hmm. And um, when I say cultural adap adaptation, I'm not talking about just race or ethnic culture. It's also the organizational culture like Chief Kennedy alluded to. Um, but when we practice respect, we're displaying those values within the organization. And we don't need to think of respect as, as being an aspirational thing that we can achieve someday. Uh, we can show respect in the way we interact with one another, one another every day. Uh, something as simple as not interrupting one another when we speak. It shows respect. Right. So I, I think... Um, when people in an organization are respectful towards one another, um, there will be less instances of unfavorable treatment, uh, of discrimination, and of harassment. And there will be more of the high productivity that we're looking for, the job satisfaction, and the unit cohesion that we're looking for. So I do challenge everyone to practice um, respect towards one another. Yeah, thank you. And with some great advice, too, um, I would uh, I'd like to ask a, a question of Chief Kennedy real quick, and then I'm going to come back to you, Major. Chief Kennedy, um, as I was uh, absorbing your story a little bit, can you, can you, add, can you tell me, now that uh, you know what you know and you are who you are, what would you tell your 18-year-old self? What advice would you give your 18-year-old self? Yeah, that's a really great question and one that I've, I've thought about often. And and it's the same thing that I would tell almost anybody that I'm talking to that I'm trying to mentor um, or I'm trying to give ad advice to them. And that would be that be good at what you do. It, your actions have a consequences, but your actions also speak for themselves. So if you are 
working hard, doing a good job and setting boundaries. If I would have gone, Hey, I don't, I would like it, please. If you did not talk that way around me, I'm gonna work hard for you. Um, but that's, that's this, this behavior is not what I stand for. And they could see me, right. That my team could see me work hard. I think it would have made a huge difference in that, but, um, I don't know that, um, that my 18 year old self at the time would have listened. I would have, I would hope so. Um, but that's the advice that I would give, you know, let your, let your work ethic and, uh, your own drive speak for himself. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you very much. Um, major Bartling. Uh, so I think it's incumbent upon all of us as leaders to also teach, uh, respect you have any advice on how we can help correct somebody that may say something that you know they have good intentions, like you talked about, but but now we need to correct that behavior and explain to them uh, what consequences that behavior might have had? Yes. Um, so I think one of the it's always difficult um, to have a conversation uh, about how to correct somebody, right? And a lot of times that is the the reason why we end up letting the behavior go because we don't have the tools uh, to address the situation at the moment. Uh, And I think one of the best ways, uh, one of the best tools that we have that we need to to sort of develop a little bit more is um, bystander intervention. And uh, the bystander intervention can be done, um, you know, by ourselves between two people or even a third party. And um, it is having a little bit of courage to say, I don't um, either, I don't agree with uh that perspective. So let's talk a little bit more about that. Or that is not the right, that is not appropriate to say uh, to somebody, for example, if you're the third party uh, intervening for somebody else. uh, And here is what you should say instead. Um, By helping each other um, with what language we use. And I think we have been doing that quite a bit. I, I, um, in following Chief Kennedy's, uh, her way of explaining that as she matured, she gained uh, better tools and, 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 and better language to use with others to demand that respect. I think as an organization, we've been also maturing and, and getting better at talking to each other um, about respect and also um, addressing some of the other things that I talked about, how we, what, how we say things and, and why we say them. Um, obviously, continuously training and having these conversations, these very conversations that we're having today, will help us to just pause, think about what we're going to say first, and then say it. Mm-hmm. And if if someone uh, is offended and has the courage to tell us that they're offended, that we also have the courage to accept that we did something wrong and ask what we can do better the next time. And if we start to have those uh, 
conversations that are difficult, but also uh, that are honest, I think we can move, continue to move forward towards uh having that respect for one another. Yes. Thank you so much. And I'm glad you brought up that we just, we really have to be mature enough to um, listen to and uh, learn from critique. So if somebody's trying to correct us, we have to listen and learn and understand and then correct the behavior. So I appreciate that response. Thank you so much. Yes, absolutely. So uh, with that, my intent today was truly to provide a professional's perspective on just one of our core values. This is an, it's an effort to encourage all of you to dive deeper into the meaning of all of our institutional core values. We owe this understanding to those we serve with and that we lead. Um, I feel that we are very privileged to have both of you as senior leaders in our ranks, and um, I appreciate you spending some time with us today. I think that what you shared with us is incredibly value valuable, and um, I look forward to meeting you guys again here soon when uh, COVID is hopefully a thing of the past and we can all get together. Thank you again. Appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. And with that, I'll close the book on this episode. In closing, I'd like to thank the Oregon National Guard Public Affairs Office and Sergeant First Class Holden for producing this podcast. Never forget, every soldier, every airman, a leader. This is Chief Connor signing off. <laughs>